cognitive biases and personal biases can really, really gum up the works. I mean, we can have a cognitive bias just straight from this person who walks up to us and based on how they look, how they're dressed, the color of their skin, what gender they are, um, you know, we can already immediately kind of create a story around, oh, I think this is what they're going to say or this is what they're going to want. And I'm going to immediately react Mm -hmm. from that standpoint instead of being open and and receptive. And what happens in in long-term relationships, and I think we've talked about this on this show before, that over time, research has shown that people actually get worse at predicting what their partner is thinking and feeling. So interesting. Yeah, not because they don't know each other well. Of course, when you're in a long-term relationship and spend a lot of time together, you, you start to know each other better and better, but it's because we form a narrative. It's like we form a cognitive bias around this person. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are going to make you a better listener. Yeah. Often during in conversations. 60 days. <laughs> no, no refunds. Right. Guaranteed. Hopefully in 45 minutes. <laughs> I love that, Dedeker. Guaranteed. No refunds. <laughs> <laughs> Often during conversations with our acquaintances, our families, and our partners, we fail to actively listen. And instead, we're thinking about other things like what to say next. Today, we're going to discuss why it can be so hard to listen properly, the importance of learning to listen, and some homework practices that you can do with your partners or friends to learn to listen better. Yeah, so I was listening to an interview with Glennon Doyle. Do you two knew, know who that oh, is? Oh, yeah, they wrote yeah. Untamed, right? That book's yep. been recommended to me, and I don't know why, and it's on my list, but I don't know why. Oh. Yeah, I haven't read it either, but maybe I should now. Um, but the the episode that she was on, it was great, and she talked a lot about listening and how um, when you go to like a what is it a place for addicts to go and re- talk a rehab and, center <laughs> yes like or not even a rehab no, like center meetings. but um yeah like meetings like a 12 after, step program yeah exactly any sort of 12 step program that at those programs it's not a bunch of people talking to each other and having conversations but often it's like someone getting up and just speaking and other people listening without offering any advice or anything along those lines and that kind of struck me So I wanted to discuss today, like, better ways to be a better listener, because so many of us are not. So many people out there are not good listeners, even though we may think that we are. Mm. So I wanted to pose that question to the two of you. Do you think you're a good listener? Have you ever been told that you're not necessarily a good listener? And then are there people out there that, I don't know, you have come into contact with who you're like, yeah, that person is amazing at listening. (sighs) What a question. I don't know if I've ever been complimented upon my listening skills by a partner. Uh Um, (laughs) I think that if I were to evaluate myself, I think since uh, doing a career change and becoming a coach and working with clients that that has definitely really forced my listening skills to get a lot better. Like I really can't be 
spacing out or thinking just about what I want to say next or stuff like that. Like it's so I think that has helped me to kind of come to more of a default sense of bringing that, you know, compassionate curiosity and listening when working with clients. And I'm still working on that, bringing that into my personal (laughs) relationships as well. (laughs) Nice. What about you, Jess? Yeah, I think I I definitely know that I've been probably on both extremes of this, of being a really good listener and other times really not being. Mm -hmm. Something that it makes me think of is one thing is I noticed that something that was a trope when I was in high school was that anytime I was going somewhere and my mom was giving me directions on how to go there, I would immediately forget everything that she told me as she was telling me when it came to giving directions specifically that I just like, and what I learned later on is that when you're, you know, that phenomenon when you're reading something Mm -hmm. And you suddenly go, oh my gosh, I I don't remember the last three pages that I read. Let me go back and find that. But one one explanation I've heard for that is that you came across something that you didn't understand, like a word you didn't know, or maybe the grammar was weird, that there was something you didn't understand, and you're kind of in autopilot reading, or I think this also applies to listening, but something you didn't understand, and suddenly everything after that, you stop understanding because your mind kind of got stuck on that thing. And I think for me with directions, it yeah. was always that. Cause I was like, if you said a street name, I don't know. I would just, then I can't listen to you after that because my brain's stuck on like, I don't know what that oh, is. Oh gosh. It's just like, it's just like having a conversation in Japanese. Oh, oh yeah, no, for one sure. Word, I can't even imagine. One word, one word pops up that I don't know. And then it's just like, I'm sorry, random stranger, random <laughs> helpful shopkeeper. I'm going to ruin your day by being the <laughs> the fool who doesn't understand your language as it turns out <laughs> i think you're doing okay you're pretty dang good at it i try um, to you know who is yes a fantastic listener i think is our friend paul who was our roadie on oh, our first tour best I listener i've known in my entire life um both in the sense that um He's just one of those people that, like, if you're talking about something hard that's going on, he's just, like, so supportive and so helpful and, like, really offers actually genuinely thoughtful advice or thoughtful reflection, you know, like, I've always really gotten a sense that he actually listens, combined with the fact that he has a mind like a steel trap for remembering conversations, and Hmm. so... Right. He can whip out a reference of something I said in conversation 10 years ago, and I'm just like, oh my god, where did that come from? Um, (laughs) Wow. So I don't know if uh, I imagine if you were in a relationship with Paul, maybe that'd be rough. But <laughs> <laughs> remember when you said this thing? Yeah. Yeah. So you said this thing five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I am. Um, when I was listening to that episode with Glennon Doyle, I realized that in my listening, I do a lot of things, a lot of mannerisms or a lot of ahas to like make people because I want people to know that, like, I hear them and that I'm understanding them. It's back, it's mm-hmm. back channel communication is what we call that. Yeah, but often, like, it actually backfired in my life um, when I was younger with a director because they, a director was giving me a note when I was doing a show and I was doing that whole uh-huh, uh-huh, and, like, trying to really show that I understood what they were saying. And he got so pissed at me and was like, will you wow. just shut up? 
and not pretend Gosh. like you're hearing me and just oh sit God. there and listen to me. And it was awful and it made me cry and I felt terrible afterwards, but Gosh. I've always remembered it to this day and I'm like, huh, maybe I need to like tamp down my my like yearning to be liked and, and to show that I, I get what you're saying, person, and like trying to make them feel good. That's really yeah. interesting because I can bring in some more Japanese trivia related to that because <laughs> yeah. I think there's some there's some cultural differences around that and also mm-hmm. personal differences. You know, some people when they hear you doing they're like, oh, uh huh, oh yeah, totally, uh huh, like they're they're they they enjoy that. That's helpful. And some mm-hmm. people like with your director, it's like, oh no, you're just kind of trying to you're just trying you're to get to the conversation. Listening. You're not actually listening. You're just trying to kind of autopilot this and. In Japanese, culturally, it's very much expected. It's it's known as, they have a word for it. It's called aizuchi, where it's very much expected you're going to be giving that back channel feedback the mm. whole time. And that caught me off guard often the first time I had long stays in Japan is because sometimes I would interpret that as like, oh, they're not actually listening to me. You know, they're, they're trying to hurry me up. Yeah, but but then I started to realize, oh, no, this is something that kind of everybody does. And it's kind of more expected culturally. Yeah. than maybe we do in the West. Yeah. It also, I found something that comes up for me with that was that I remember when I was in middle school, I think my stepdad would get really frustrated with me for not looking at him when he was talking to me. Hmm. And what I've I, seen you do that before you you look down sometimes exactly. or you like, it's like yeah. you're thinking about, mm. I don't know. Well, what, what is it? So, <laughs> So this is something I also learned about much later, I think, in a book that I was reading in college is talking about sort of how you primarily interact with the world. I think I've mentioned this before on on other episodes, but myself, I'm more of an auditory and touch person than a sight-oriented person, according to this sort of way of thinking of things. And a trait of people who are more audio-oriented is that they will do that. They'll turn their ear toward you instead mm. of their eyes toward you when they're really listening and that was something that, you know, that I learned feels like you're not being listened to. And so sometimes I will try to focus on looking at the person, but often I'm so focused on the fact that I'm looking at the person that I'm not hearing them. So it actually, I'm looking like I'm a better listener, but I'm actually not. So that is a, there is some interesting dynamics here that are kind of more individual as well in terms of how you actually listen. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I think you're not alone in that because... Not too long ago, I listened to an interview with Ira Glass where he was actually quite honest about the fact that in interviews, he has to really bring himself back into focus, mm. you know, to look at the other person because otherwise, like, he just finds it really, really easy to to space out. And I'm like, if even Ira Glass goes <laughs> spaces there, out, spaces yeah. out and, and has a trouble listening when doing his job interviewing somebody, right. I'm like, I think we can give ourselves a little bit of grace and compassion. Yeah, yeah but it's that I weird thing of right. like, it's easier for me to listen if I'm not also having to look at their face. Because then I'm looking at like how their lips are moving or like how they're saying things or what their expressions are. And I'm I'm missing out on what they're actually saying. So, yeah. Well, well you must be pretty good at it because I, I, I've i never noticed that. I mean, I've noticed that a little bit about you, but it's never been a like, I feel like Joyce isn't listening to me. Mm. Unless you're distracted by something. That's a whole other conversation. though. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. that's different. That yeah. happens Let's quite often. Segue into, you know, why is it? often difficult for us as human beings to actually listen to what another person is saying, especially when we're in conflict from somebody. And I think that we could theorize there's a bunch of different factors that could go into what makes it difficult or what presents obstacles to listening well. Yeah. So the first 
three of these that we're going to talk about are all about noise. So this first one is just literal, actual, physical noise that's happening in the place where you are, right? So this includes, uh, you know, things that are occurring around you making sound. I would say potentially also visual noise would fall into this category too, but something that's actually happening in your environment. So it's difficult to listen to someone if there's construction going on outside or there's babies crying in the next room or in your arms while you're trying to listen to someone or dogs barking if the tv is on someone's texting you things like that right there's just a lot of distractions that come from the physical world so the next type of noise is psychological noise so like Things like your own personal life, your own personal well-being, maybe problems that you might be having that are interfering with you being able to focus your attention on someone else. And also, this article that I found all of this from, what is it, saylord.org, saylord.org. Sailor. it's about the Lord. I think it's sailor. Oh, it's sailor. Sailor.org. It looks like (laughs) saylord.org. It does kind of. (laughs) Anyways. Um, yeah, it, it said something about the fact that if you're listening to someone who you're super attracted to, it might be more difficult for you to actually hear things that they're saying because 100%. you're just overcome, no, 100%. overcome by how beautiful yeah, they are. I absolutely. Don't know. No, I've, yeah? 100% okay. I've experienced this many times where you're like, shit, I really need to pay attention here because I'm super <laughs> distracted. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, um, sometimes like if a beautiful woman comes into the restaurant, I'll be like, okay, like keep keep it together. Keep it together. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that has definitely happened to me before. I, okay, um, I will say, I think for me, it's if someone super attractive is talking to me, it's less of like, oh, I'm so focused on how attractive they are. And I think it's more I get so self-conscious on how bumbling I am. Yeah. And it's much more about like, be cool, be cool, be hot, be cool, be sexy, be super suave. And in the meantime, (laughs) I'm not listening to anything that they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, But there, there you go. That's like some noise that can impair you in other ways. And also, if you really dislike someone, Mm -hmm. that can automatically just make you be like, yeah, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really give my full attention to this person no way Mm, yeah uh related to that there's also physiological noise uh so things like if you're tired if you're hungry if you're drunk if you're sick you know so all the things that would trigger a halt for instance you're probably not going to be able to listen very well there's like this physiological noise kind of going on inside your body that's making it difficult to actually listen So semantic noise is another thing that can come into play. It was also in the article, but I didn't write it down. But because Jace talked about it earlier, I figure, why the heck not? So that's like, again, if you don't understand what the other person is saying, if you're fixated upon perhaps like a a word or something along those lines that, hey, like I didn't quite get what they meant by that, or maybe just the way in which they talk about something is you don't understand it and you're fixated on that thing that can impair like if somebody throws a word salad at you sure and you're like what i don't what what are you actually saying yeah Yeah. or maybe if someone misuses a word and you just can't get past that (laughs) what was Mm -hmm. the thing that we used to say just from that person that i worked with that he didn't misuse the word but he just said it taught yeah he was like tout Yeah. (laughs) yeah So that thing over there, it's really tout. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> then you just stop listening yeah. after that yes, moment. Definitely did. <laughs> so things like that. Uh, 
Another thing that can be an obstacle is just the fact that we have limited attention spans. Our attention spans vary from person to person, but generally, you know, if you're discussing the same topic with somebody for an hour or or more, or if you're required to listen to another person giving a lecture for a super long period of time, that essentially like our willpower and our attention span starts to decrease. And as more time goes on, it becomes more difficult to pay attention. Yeah, this talked about the fact that people who are giving a lecture really need to figure out ways to like keep their audience engaged. And that's why teachers also it's like, okay, it's time to bring out the movie. It's time it's time to like do something in order to keep these people engaged. I, I heard that that's why Emeril, the famous chef, started doing the whole BAM thing. I don't oh. know if you know what Gets I'm talking your attention about. Back. Just from teaching, like, it was from teaching that he would be teaching and like people would just start getting bored. And so that was what he would do to <laughs> liven things up and wake up all the sleepy students i guess wow yeah bam wow okay so those were kind of more external factors that might cause someone uh to not listen and then there are more sort of internal things that might be happening to a person or or a reason like underlying reasons why they may not want to listen well or they're just unable to uh the first one is that if you're talking to a partner if you're talking to a friend you may hear a problem and immediately just want to fix it. So fixing someone else's pain when they're telling us that something is wrong. And so, again, you get fixated on that as opposed to listening to the whole story, as opposed to really being there for that person. You're just like, I'm going to fix it and I'm going to figure out a way to do that. I think we also, this may depend on the relationship, but I think among like acquaintances and friends, I think we, for many of us, we've kind of been culturally taught of like, we can't really tackle big, heavy, painful subjects in polite company. And so Mm. it is kind of a thing of like, oh, we got to just kind of fix it or tamp it down or Mm. just throw out an aphorism or something, you know, instead of actually talking through uncomfortable things. It's always darkest before the dawn or something like that. (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We may also talk more than we listen um, because we're seeking validation from another person, where it's not really about a two-way flow of conversation. Um, I think related to this, something that a friend of mine was talking to me also about recently was um, uh, kind of like over-self-disclosure, where it's like, I'm disclosing something I feel guilty about or bad about, um, maybe even something bad about that is involving the person who's listening to me, not because I want to dialogue through it, but because I'm trying to make myself feel better. And so I'm just going to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk Mm. just to kind of get it out and hope that I feel better or get validation at the end of it. Yeah. Another one is along with wanting to be liked, getting validation is that we want to be seen as quick or witty or intelligent. You know, I think especially if you watch a lot of TV shows with really snappy dialogue, you might think, gosh, like I should be able to to react like that. But then you're thinking about like, I want to live in an Aaron Sorkin <laughs> right? world. Yeah, exactly. So then you're thinking about those reactions or you're saying something too quickly without really taking the time to absorb what the person has told you. Uh, and then, of course, our own personal biases can often get in the way of actually being able to hear what the other person is saying and listening to what how they're describing their experience rather than you hear some details and you immediately put your own experience onto theirs or how you think you would react in their situation instead of taking the time to really understand not only the facts but also what they're telling you about their experience which are are also facts as it turns out (laughs) 
Yeah, I think related to that, I mean, I think cognitive biases and personal biases can really, really gum up the works. I mean, we can have a cognitive bias just straight from this person who walks up to us and based on how they look, how they're dressed, the color of their skin, what gender they are, um, you know, we can already immediately kind of create a story around, oh, I think this is what they're going to say or this is what they're going to want. And I'm going to immediately react Mm -hmm. from that standpoint instead of being open and, and receptive. And what happens in in long-term relationships, and I think we've talked about this on this show before, that over time, research has shown that people actually get worse at predicting what their partner is thinking and feeling. It's so interesting. Yeah, not because they don't know each other well. Of course, when you're in a long-term relationship and spend a lot of time together, you you start to know each other better and better. But it's because we form a narrative. It's like we form a cognitive bias around this person So it gets to a point of where my partner comes to me and based on all my past experience, I already have this narrative of like, oh, this is how he's going to say this. This is what he's going to want. This is how it's going to go. You know, this is going to turn into a fight or, or things like that, that can kind of set you up to just not be listening from the outset. So all that time that we're spending not listening, (laughs) what are we doing instead? (laughs) Good question. Just having a grand old time. Is putting his ear towards... Jace is trying to angle. Well, that's when I, Jace is trying to angle his that's ears. When right I'm angle listening. When I'm not right listening, angle. I'm just <laughs> and you're look, like, trying to look at that person's lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Of course, the super common thing is we're just planning in our head what we're going to say next. You know, it's um, all about us. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the next point that we're going to sling in there? We have kind of our own little agenda of making sure like, okay, well, I want to at least make sure that I can say this or make this point instead of actually taking in what the other person is saying. Um, And related to that, we also can sit there analyzing what the other person is saying and formulating our own opinions about it instead of just taking it in. And this is, I mean, this is so hard to avoid doing because it's just kind of the way our brains work. You know, it's part of the way that we process information, like literally I'm going to way oversimplify this. So if you're a neuroscientist, please forgive me. But literally the way that our brains take in stimuli and process stimuli from the outside world is that it essentially passes through the center of our brain that's responsible for determining how does this affect ourselves. Mm. You know, mm. like before, before so we it can is even, all about us. <laughs> it is all about us. That is like how our brains are, are wired. And you can get around that with, um, uh, to actually, meditation isn't a good way of getting around that and kind of reforging those kind of neural pathways. But fundamentally, that's there, you know, that our brain wants to know immediately any stimuli we get, how does it affect us, which is, a, you know, a survival mechanism. But that's, uh, you know, part of the reason why so often when we're listening to somebody, it's literally, okay, well, what am I going to say? What's my opinion about this? How is this affecting me? I need to respond from that standpoint. And along with that, part of the reason why we'll feel the need to be formulating these things in advance is because we might be afraid of the silence that could happen after they finish speaking, waiting for us to respond, and we don't have one immediately. Again, if you're watching a lot of Alan Sorkin films, you're going to feel this. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. <laughs> Alan Ball, Aaron Sorkin. Got it. Aaron Sorkin. If you're watching a lot of Aaron Sorkin movies, you're going to feel this more extremely, I think. Uh, <laughs> But this is something that, I guess to go back to the meditation thing, something I really try to remind myself of sometimes when, not about doing meditation, but when you listen to people speak who are big meditators, I'm thinking people like the Dalai Lama or various meditation teachers that I've encountered or things like that, there tends to be this pause almost every single time they get asked a question or they're about to start a new topic 
there's like this little pause. Sometimes it's a long pause, but sometimes it's a short pause where they kind of collect their thoughts, finish taking it in, and then respond. And it's something I try to remind myself of that that's, that that's okay, that we look up to these people. We don't go, ah, oh, the Dalai Lama is so, you know, unintelligent because Slow, he doesn't respond yeah. right away. Hmm. Yeah, I think Alan Watts talked about Suzuki Roshi or like one of the Zen masters like saying something of like, he may take like a whole two minutes to respond to your question, but he never hesitates. Mm, that's um, a great way to put that. I like very, that. Very he never is a cool. what? But he never hesitates. Oh, hesitates. Okay. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So a wizard replies precisely what he means to. That's what he's saying. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, okay. So then, then also uh, is because we're trying to figure out how to fix a problem. So this goes along with the other stuff we've been saying that we might make judgments about something they're saying early in the conversation stop listening to the rest, and then spend our time formulating a solution to that first problem we identified, which might not even really be the thing that they need help with, or that's really what the problem is. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about ourselves here. So our egos, that's a big thing that we're thinking about instead of actually listening. So we might just be figuring out like how to sound wittier, or more intelligent, or even do things like one-up what the person is saying. Yeah, I've definitely uh, encountered some people like that in my life. Dated a few of them as well when they're just sitting there being like, actually, this thing is... Yeah. And as Dedeker talked about before with the cognitive biases, we may just be dismissive of another person just right at the onset, either because we don't like them already or because, I don't know, you, you see a person and you form these cognitive biases about them. And so that's kind of going to affect how you view them, and perhaps whether or not you're actually going to spend time listening to them. Another thing maybe that we're trying to multitask at the same time as we're supposedly listening to another person. And there's a lot of research on this um, that shows that multitasking is actually not a thing that our brains really enjoy in general. I know we've kind of been fed this narrative that like women are naturally better at multitasking and men are not. And that's actually not true. Like, Everybody's brains equally struggle <laughs> yeah. with multitasking, of course, with personal variation, but but all of us um, do better in an environment when we're able to focus as opposed to needing to multitask. And there's also some kind of, you know, sexist things that go into that as well. But that's a topic for another time. I, I think even aside from the gender stuff, I think that our society has taught us that multitasking is a skill and that being good at it is something to be admired. When in reality, all the research shows, no, we're actually pretty much rubbish at it. And we're pretty much always going to perform worse when we're multitasking than if we're not. So get over that pride. Stop it. Stop it. I know sometimes we have to do it. I get that. You know, at, at my job, I'm often required to be jumping from task to task. It sucks. I don't like it. I know I'm less productive when that's happening. But sometimes I just have to do it. But but yeah, let's stop stop being proud of multitasking because it makes us bad <laughs> listeners as well as just less good at everything that we're multitasking. <laughs> okay, so why do we care? Why is it important to get better at listening to other people? Well, the first thing is that people love to talk about themselves. It's basically everyone's favorite topic. Uh, so an article in Scientific American says that on average, people spend 60% of their time in conversations talking about themselves and 80% of their time on social media doing the same. 
Now, I don't know how you have a conversation where both people are talking about themselves 60% of the time. I guess it's 60% <laughs> of the time you're talking, it's about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes in a conversation, you never get a word in edgewise. <laughs> well, it's just sure. like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of people out there who literally can't talk about anything other than themselves yeah. and are not interested in, in you talking about yourself at all. Yeah, it, it reminds me of something from the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Something he talks about is the most beautiful sound to any person is their own name. And so he talks about the power of using someone's name when you're talking to them, but also when you're negotiating with them. And he gives this big story about some merger between two companies that seemed really improbable that one guy was going to be able to convince the other to do it. But they named the thing the other guy's name and the first guy's name. So like by putting the other guy's name first, he was like, ooh. Okay, and that's supposedly huh. the story goes was what helped him, you know, get this much better deal than he would have gotten otherwise because it's about him. It's about the other person and you're you're giving them that, which makes them feel good. Well, there you go. And kind of along that line, people really do tend to like you more if you sit there and listen to them instead of just talking up a storm. And I I feel like I use this quite often, and sometimes I do wonder, I'm like, hmm, why is it that people like me and like to hang out with me? And that that sounds terrible. But yeah, but I, I feel like I've encountered so many really brilliant people in my life. And I'm like, why is it that they're like into me, into being my friend? And I'm like, maybe Aww. it's because I give them time to to talk and mm. I don't always... I don't always interrupt, and I often am just kind of the one sitting there and, and allowing them to, to speak. So that's interesting. That's something to think about. That's a, another thing, actually, from How to Win Friends and Influence People. Gosh, it's been like 10 years since yeah. I read this book, but it's all coming back right now. There you uh, go. Another thing he yeah. talks about is if you want everyone at a party to think you were the most interesting person there, just ask them questions and don't say anything yourself. Yeah. And they will come away yeah. thinking you were fascinating and interesting. So, yeah. That, that holds up. Yeah, and that you were an awesome person. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean, it really does make people feel good about themselves if you're asking questions and if you're allowing them to talk mm -hmm. and instead of, yeah, being being the super talkative one. And then when you actually listen, you're actively making your partner feel heard again, as opposed to sitting there and saying like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do or you need to be doing mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z thing to fix this situation if you really just kind of hold space for your partner or for the person in front of you whomever they may be to say what's going on with them if something is really challenging if something's really difficult i mean that's why people go to therapy right like to hold space mm, yeah someone actually listens to you yeah exactly yeah and then i uh, also when you listen like I just said, you're choosing to connect with your partner instead of fixing one of their problems. So that's, I think, it, it, that's just a, a slight change in sometimes what we choose to do with one another. And I think it it's a really important change to potentially make. I know so many people who just want to fix problems, and it's really not as productive, perhaps, as you might think it is. Yeah, I know when I'm working with clients and especially with couples, sometimes there really is just so much power in literally just that holding space and just somebody feeling heard, you know, like yeah. truly actually heard. Um, because, you know, frequent spats or frequent arguments between yourself and a partner, it could be directly linked to just a lack of listening to one another. And the thing is that it's like, this is an opportunity to learn 
so much about this other person, about how they tick, about what's motivating them, about like what are their existential dreams underneath the things that they're fighting for. And I mean, I know that sounds intense, but it's like literally this is the stuff that comes up in the work. And also like what happened with their family of origin, like why something might be triggering to them because of their past. Exactly. Things like that. Exactly. There's just so much there to be mined. And the thing is that it's it's like we bring that curiosity and that interest often at the beginning of a relationship. Well, I guess once we've gotten over the whole, they're so attractive, I can't even listen to them <laughs> phase. <laughs> and we're actually in the bonding phase of truly trying to to understand them. And, um, and often, you know, we lose that later in relationships, but that doesn't mean that like you've learned everything there is to learn. There's still a ton there. You know, something that I do really appreciate having these two long-term relationships is that like I'm constantly bowled over by the fact that like Jace, I'm still learning stuff about you, you know, and same with Alex and I don't know. Like I I I don't think I'm ever going to have that feeling of like, ah, I've got these two figured out. <laughs> boring. I can check out now, <laughs> boring. Um and another thing that like when you're in conflict, that listening to your partner it really can help get you out of your own head and away from your own ego. And that can be really helpful because I think sometimes when we're in conflict and when we're in pain and when we're suffering, there is this tendency to like really look inward and sometimes almost get a little bit navel gazy and like kind of obsessed with our own suffering and our own pain and listening to somebody else and like putting our attention on somebody else helps to have a little bit more of a bigger picture around that pain. And it helps to, I think kind of, I don't, I don't, for some reason, the phrase broaden your heart was the phrase that wants to I come like out. That. It's That's not beautiful. an existing phrase, but like, I really do think that, that, you know, putting your attention and focus on somebody else can help with that and help you not just be sitting there just kind of like chewing over and obsessed about like your own pain or your own issues. Broaden your sexual horizon. Sorry, <laughs> I had to <laughs> call back. Broaden your. <laughs> Broaden your heartful horizons. Heart horizons. Okay, that's going to be our new like self help. Your heart horizons. That's our new self help empire. (laughs) Heart horizons. TM 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 TM. Yeah. (laughs) People are like, what? Heart horizons? Like the heart is rising. The I don't get it. No, no. Rise. Heart rise. Horizons. Like the 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 horizon, but it's your heart. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to discuss some important steps that you can take to improve your listening skills, some homework, talk a little bit about active listening. But before that, we are going to discuss some ways in which you can help our show out and uh, keep it coming to you for free. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store 
and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Okay, I've got it. It's going to be Heart Risen's TM, colon, making you a better listener in 60 days or less. Guaranteed, no refunds. Okay, I like it. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Ellipsis, no refunds. <laughs> <laughs> or is there a little asterisk and down at the bottom it says no refunds? Oh, that's probably better. All right, so... Now we're now this is the training. This is Heart Risens now. Like welcome everyone to Heart Risens. Okay. What are some steps that you can take to improve your listening skills? So how, how do we how do we do it? How do we do it now? All right, step You're the heart you're the certified Heart Risens facilitator. You tell us. I mean, we I guess all are, but this is the first one to speak. So right. please. Yes, yes. Our team of well-trained Heart Risen educators are here. So, thing number 1, is to use the Triforce of Communication. TM, TM, TM. So, <laughs> so the idea here is if you really don't want your partner to try to fix your problem, so if, if you're the one sharing and they're the one listening, using the Triforce can help set them up for success in terms of they can start thinking, should I be thinking about solutions? Should I just be listening? Should I be offering encouragement? You know, what what is it that you want from this interaction? And then similarly, on the other side, you can use the Triforce as a way to ask. If someone starts talking about something and you find your mind going to solutions, like this, this often happens to me when I'm talking with Dedeker, where she might be talking about something that's going on and my mind starts going to, okay, she's going to want suggestions and, and help with this. So let me try to come up with those. And then I'll catch myself and go, hang on a second. What, what do you, which Triforce are you looking for here? Are you wanting... Triforce 3, just Triforce 2. Uh, and that helps then set me up to listen in a different way. So that can be really helpful on both sides. Another one is to actually do an exercise where you set aside some time each day. Uh, this amount of time could range, uh, but this could be anything from 15 minutes or an hour where you and another person, whether this is a family member, friend, partner, you take turns talking about your day what was challenging, what was great, and the other person doesn't interrupt. Like, you very intentionally set it so you don't interrupt at all, even to just inter interject something. You just sit there and listen as a practice, as a way to just get practice and see what that's like to actually just listen without any pressure to respond. So it's not even like you can't respond, but it's also you don't have to. You're not expected to respond, so you get to take that time to just sit there and, and listen. And when you are doing that exercise, you should definitely get rid of all of the distractions around you. So go to a quiet room, 
uh, maybe put the kids to bed or make sure that you've eaten, that nobody's going to start screaming potentially, or that you're going to get hangry. Uh, and, and make sure also that you're in a good place emotionally to to hear what your partner has to say. And it, sometimes that can be challenging, especially like in the moment. But, you know, do things like meditation, deep breathing, stuff like that, halting, all of that is really helpful when you are expected to be a good listener. And also, put your phones away. Yes. This is something goodness. every time we record one of our podcasts, we say to each other, okay, everyone, put your phones in the garbage. So we put them not just silenced, but out of sight. Away. Right? Where you're not yeah. even going to look at them and get distracted. Um, something that can also help is checking in on your mindset when you're going into a conversation with a partner or with somebody that you have a history with, it's really easy to get into a habit of feeling like I'm heading into a debate or I'm competing with them or I really need to win this conversation or I need to... You've talked about this, right, Dedeker? Yes, or I need to... (laughs) Why why are you laughing at me? (laughs) No, just like, yeah, I I wrote this with you in mind because I definitely have heard you talk about it before in certain conversations. I mean, when I had you in my phone contact, when we first met each other, Dedeker, seven plus years ago now, uh, I put you in, you know, as Dedeker Winston. And whenever you would call me or a message would come up, my phone would abbreviate it to just Dedeker Wins. And I was like, yeah, Ah. that's appropriate. (laughs) She does. That's cute. I like it. Oh, well, anyway, (laughs) Dedeker does win sometimes no i mean that's why you're yeah. the alpha we know oh my god anyway <laughs> it's, I, all, it's said with love <laughs> i feel like a lot of my work both myself and my work with clients is to help remind people that you know sometimes you really have to be intentional about switching your mindset and switching on the listening mode of like okay how would i listen to this if this were a friend talking to me about this as opposed to how i'm listening when i'm anticipating a debate or anticipating it's going to be a fight You know, like, Mm -hmm. how do I get myself to open and hear and receive and empathize without jumping straight to figuring out, you know, taking it personally or jumping straight to figuring out the how or or things like that. Yeah. And then the next thing that we're going to talk about in terms of how you can improve your listening skills is employing active listening as opposed to passive listening. What is that, you might ask? Well... Let's get into that now. I feel like active listening has really been the darling of self-help and like communication skills for a long time. Yeah. If I'm totally honest, active listening as a concept, I think most of my life, I was just like, ah, throw this in the garbage. Sounds boring. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting too, because I've also heard some backlash against it because some people interpret active listening to mean what Emily was talking about, which is doing lots of mm, uh uh-huh's and nodding and and gesturing and stuff like that. It can be a part of it from what I learned, but I think that it really does go deeper than just like the outward little things that you can do to, at the very least, make your partner think that you're actively listening. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there are three components to active listening. Step number one is to comprehend. And this means paying attention to the speaker's verbal and nonverbal language to attempt to fully understand what they're trying to say. And I like this because it's very much the whole seek to understand before seeking to be understood 
thing. I, I, it's something that I think is so important and I'm not always good at doing, but I think is, is really valuable. So it's very first step is actually trying to understand. And I think that if you keep that in mind, it can affect how everything else goes. Like if the purpose isn't to perform listening, but it's to actually understand. Okay. Step number one, step number two is to retain, to remember it. So the listener, you try to remember key points about things that they're saying. This might just be in your memory. This might be note-taking. I've also seen some techniques that involve doing stuff with your hands. Like when Mm. you think of a thing you want to reply, you'll touch like your thumb and your index finger together to kind of physically bookmark that for yourself. And then while they're talking, they might say another thing you want to remember to respond to or say, then you add your middle finger to that, you know, put that on your thumb as well. And then you can kind of count through them afterward. There's different techniques like that. I want to, I want to take some umbrage with that actually, (laughs) because I feel like something that's getting muddied with the remembering is I think there's a difference between remembering what somebody said versus remembering what I want to respond to. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I feel like that counts more as like, okay, I'm still doing the work of thinking about how I want to respond. It's you know, interesting I'm just though, kind of taking notes. because the way I've always interpreted this and when I've used it, it's more instead of now spending the rest of the time while you're talking, thinking about that thing I want to say, I've kind of bookmarked that and put it away so that I can keep listening to you. But yeah, yeah, yeah either there way. There is yeah. that. Um, but I literally, when I'm working with couples, I literally have them take notes mm. when, when one person is listening. And I know that sounds weird, But I found that, like, first of all, the very act of taking notes helps kind of short circuit that tendency to want to just be thinking about how I'm going to respond, because you literally have to be listening actively enough to also take notes on what your partner is saying. And because then, you know, then I have people reflect back, you know, to their partner. And that's why the notes are really important. Um, And so it sounds weird to take notes, but I think if it's something that you and your partner can agree on trying, if there's a particular topic that you just feel like you have a hard time listening to each other on, I really, really recommend trying it. I feel like older people do this. I remember my grandmother used to take notes when she was talking to my mom or talking on the phone with someone. Hmm. And then she, especially if it was like, she was talking to a relative on the phone and wanted to relay back to us what was said. Right. She would take notes, which is wow, very fascinating. cute, I think. Yeah. 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 And my mom, I think she does that now, too. So it's interesting. Wow. That's super interesting. I mean, an episode on note taking and its psychological effects and how to do it <laughs> oh my would gosh, be really interesting, too. Uh, is that something I've got some thoughts on? But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about active listening. So, again, step number one is to comprehend, is to understand. Step number two is to retain and try to remember what they've actually said, right? Actually commit that to memory. And then step number three, finally, is responding. So, this is where you respond not to say some witty thing, but to confirm that you understand. And we've talked about this on other episodes as well, but this could be something like uh, actually repeating back certain things they said. It could be saying it back to them in your own words, you know, sort of paraphrasing it to make sure you understand the sentiment of it. Um, it, You know, it, it could be talking about related things or maybe connecting different pieces of things that they said to each other. There's lots of different things this could look like, but it's not about yourself or about solving the problem yet. You could get to that later, but the act of listening, the responding is to respond to make sure you understood as well as you can. 
All right, kids, let's do a recap and let's also talk about a little bit of homework where you can apply these things at home with an adult. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, or maybe a child, you can do yeah. it again. And I think yeah. this could work or a child, with your children. Uh, also with a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, use some of the tips that you've learned today in your conversations with your partner or your family member over the week. I think it can be particularly helpful to think about the obstacles that come up for you. In listening, you know, just kind of bring some curiosity about where does my mind tend to go when someone's listening to me? Do I start to fix it? Do I tune out? Do I start to plan on what I'm going to say? Do I get hung up because they used a particular word or I got confused or I had a question and then I'm not listening to the rest of it? Is it because my partner's just so attractive? I just cannot. <laughs> I just cannot. <laughs> you know, it can be helpful to get curious about yourself. Again, be a scientist about yourself and figure out what's going on with you when, when your listening gets sabotaged. Um, we already talked about setting aside some time to sit down with a partner or a family member and just kind of practice these skills. Remember when you're setting up that time to get rid of as many outside distractions that you can, get rid of your physiological distractions or physiological noise, psychological noise to the best of your ability. We also highly recommend going back and listening to our episode 267 about specifically stress-reducing conversations if you want some more uh, structure to try, some more questions to try specifically if you and your partner want to try a ritual of, you know, decompressing about your day together. That's a good episode to also check out. So when you're taking turns talking to each other, uh, you can use reflecting skills. So those things are kind of reflecting back what it is that you heard the other person say and asking things like clarifying questions if you need to kind of comprehend something that you didn't quite understand what they were saying, things like that. And yeah, just sort of like compartmentalizing and being like, okay, I these are the bullet points that I heard. And so that is that correct here? And getting a clarifying question if you need to, or having one if you need to. And use those active listening skills. So do things like maintaining eye contact with your partner or maybe ear contact <laughs> if that's what you need to do. Uh, something we didn't really get into, but that I've heard from child psychologists, also from um, speech therapists, things like that, is that mirroring emotional life of another person is really helpful in listening. So, for example, if somebody's like, I just got a promotion, if you're sitting there kind of sad and with a frown on your face, then that's not really mirroring your partner's emotional life. So, if somebody is excited about something, you also can show that excitement. If somebody is sad about something, you can express, you know, your condolences or have empathy in that moment. And that's not like a time when you'd be all happy and excited and having a big, huge grin on your face if somebody's upset. I have even heard this proposed for dealing with when someone else is angry and they're upset. Yeah. Is rather than a lot of us, myself included, will often react to that by getting super calm, like really, mm -hmm. really thinking you're going to de-escalate that way. And I've actually heard some people suggest that actually meeting them closer to where they are. So you're not exactly. all the way where they are. You're not just as mad as them, but you kind of meet them so they don't feel this like disconnect of like, no, well, I've got to get angrier so you understand how angry I am. It's like you, you kind of go there with them and then bring them back as opposed to trying to stay calm which I often do. And then finally they make you so mad that now you're mad too. And that's not helpful. Right. So it's kind of intentionally meeting them there and bringing them back. 
Yeah, my voice teacher in college talked about this a lot, that he would have, like, big seminars um, with first responders, and that mm. instead, you know, they're often taught, like, to just super de-escalate and be very calm on the phone. But sometimes if you do go there with the person, that actually shows them, like, oh, they get it. Like, they're not... I'm being heard. They're not... Yeah, t- yeah I'm being heard. They're not wow. saying, like, that I'm full of shit or something. They're actually understanding that i'm going through a crisis so that's really interesting and you can also do that with kids apparently Mm -hmm. that if a kid is having a really tough time or like throwing a tantrum about their shoelace being untied you can be like oh my gosh i know this sucks i'm sorry and then they get it a little bit more yeah and also uh give positive feedback by using those verbal signals and showing that you're engaged with what your partner is saying i do this a lot Maybe, Maybe you know, kind of feel the situation. (laughs) If somebody's going to like yell at you and tell you to shut up, then maybe, you know, figure that out in advance. Or if you do it (laughs) too much, you just move to Japan and then it's perfectly acceptable and normal. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. (laughs) All right. And then our last sort of recap and homework here is when you're doing these sessions of sharing with each other, Try to write down some of the information that your partner shared with you. You could try this as note-taking while they're talking, or this could be writing down afterward just to sort of see how well you remembered things. And then at the end of the week of, of doing this regularly, try to gauge how well you listened. How well did you remember things that your partner shared with you? What did you do well? And what could you have done better? And then try it again the next week. And if, hopefully, you... It's a process. It's a practice. Yeah. Hopefully you and your friend or your partner or your family member that you're doing this with, hopefully you're people who can meta-communicate about this communicating. I mean, hopefully you have some of that if you're able to actually sit down and do these exercises. Uh, but this could also be a good opportunity to be scientists, as, as we like to say, of, okay, yeah, we tried this and it was really hard. What if we tried changing it up somehow, right? What if we did it in shorter chunks or longer chunks. Maybe we need a longer time to like break through our urge to try to fix everything or respond to everything. Or maybe we try Dedeker's thing of taking notes during it. Or maybe we try not doing that. Or maybe we need to put our phones in another room, not just face down on the table, right? Just experiment with things, try things and see what has an effect. So in our bonus episode, we are going to talk even more in depth about active listening and kind of how to employ active listening skills in conversation. So if you're not one of our Patreon members, then you can definitely look up active listening skills. There's a ton of articles on it, but we're going to talk about it in our bonus for all of our patrons. So our call to action question this week uh, for the Instagram stories that you can find what makes it difficult for you to listen to someone? Because we all have our own like little ticks, little habits that make us maybe be better or worse listeners. So what makes it difficult for you to listen to someone? We'd love to hear this. And the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and you can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. 
Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.